Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy, and we're back with our season wrap-up for the non-canonical adventures of JD and Randy. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get this one out there first, because we don't know how many parts uh, this or the regular canon wrap-up's going to be. Yeah, because for our last season, we ended up going a lot longer than we thought, to the point where it was basically like three seasons worth of content in one. Instead of being 24 and 24, or like 12 and 12, it ended up being... 30 and 50 something. Yeah. Um, so the non-canon, we only watched 31 films. Yeah. That's only 31 films, which is more than we covered in season one total. So, yeah. and we started, <laughs> um, so if we forget things about this film, like we know, yeah. we know what we released. Mm-hmm. It's just that if we f- don't mention things in too much particulars, it's because it's been a while. Um, the very first non-canon of this season mm-hmm. was released in January 30th of 2022. And it's now halfway through 2023, so... Yeah. It's been a year and a half. <laughs> it's been yeah. a long time. And, and we've done almost... Or not, we, we've done over 80 movies. Yeah, for this season alone. So yeah, it's been a long road is what we're saying. So we just wanted to go through this to like maybe refresh ourselves and also like wrap up this season rightly. And um, it's mm-hmm. it's actually pretty funny because there's trends I almost want to say in here and how we uh, like what we chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the first part, um, you just get random movie and then here's some vinegar syndrome movies and then <laughs> yeah, because that's how we 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 chose to do them while we were we were choosing non canons because sometimes. We bought a lot of vinegar syndrome sometimes in the last we, year. Sometimes we buy those, and sometimes we get we end up getting stuck with like we're going to watch a non-canon, and then it's like, oh, it's randomly not available anymore, so you have to pick something else. So that's what we did. Like take for instance, Maximum Overdrive, which isn't on here. Every time we wanted to watch it, it got taken off of a streaming service. Yeah, there's stuff like that. Like that one we wanted to so, watch for a while. So it's, it's, it's our it's, last our last season, and we never got to watch Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're covering the last movies we already did. And we might as well start with the big one, which is one we wanted to cover for a while, but never got, quite got to doing, which is The Warriors from 1979. George Hill? Walter Hill. Walter Hill? Yeah, we've covered a few Walter Hill movies on this one, but this is one of his biggest ones and one of the most influential on a lot of the movies we've covered. And probably the one of the most highly rated or hard, highly regarded of the ones we covered by yeah. him. And it was, and it just felt like a natural movie for us to actually cover. And sure enough, from what I remember, we really liked this one. And well, should it does it sets a lot of tone for a lot of stuff that comes later, and it's very well done. And for anybody who's forgotten, this movie is just from my memory from mm-hmm. over a year ago, which means that we technically probably recorded this way back in 2021. It's possible. Um, yeah. Is that it's a group of a gang. It's a gang mm-hmm. who have to fight their way back from the big congress of gangs that they were having on on Staten Island mm-hmm. back to their, their home borough of wherever it is. I can't remember. Coney Island. Coney, Coney Island. And they have to fight their way through New York mm-hmm. to get back. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's actually very feels very John Carpenter esque when you think about it a little, but it's uh, it's like the char- the city has its own character. There's like almost horror elements to it, but it's a very good action film in that there is a lot of action and you're always engaged with what's going on, and it's definitely worthy of its of its status as a classic. And also the reason why it, this this movie isn't a John Carpenter is because we ran out of John Carpenter movies within our time range. Yeah, we've covered pretty much all of them though we might have a surprise a bit later on who knows uh, first we'll go into the next movie which was starring rowdy rowdy peeper piper uh hell comes to Frogtown. i believe you wanted to watch this one because i bought it from you vinegar syndrome <laughs> this was another one we were considering for a while but again considering when we started this a lot of these movies were hard to find and, and then, lo and behold, they, they, they released it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy this because it's on sale today. And I'm like, oh, I like this movie. Yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic, tongue-in-cheek action flick with some funny one-liners. It's not, if I'm going to remember, it's not quite what you think it's going to be. Yeah, it's not. And that's okay. It's but an it enjoyable its movie. Character. I haven't really changed my mind on it. I, no. I know I gave this movie like a three. It's, like it's I, a fun I know movie. It's, it's a fun movie. It's, a, yeah, it's just a fun movie. It's a unique uh, um, thing. I, I do recommend people watch it. It's, mm. it's like just because it's fun, but it's also not 
the most memorable film. I just remember the metal cod piece. <laughs> yeah. uh, As opposed to the one we did after that called Tammy and the T-Rex. Another Vinegar Syndrome release. Which, which was another one. This one... Is probably the craziest film <laughs> that we weirdest. watched this entire season, including canon films on it. Uh, this is the movie that, that dared to ask... I have uh, access to a T-Rex animatronic for a week. What can I do with it? And they Made make a movie. A movie. <laughs> and somehow, even despite all the lunacy in the film itself, it somehow manages to hold together enough to retain your interest all the way through and never stops getting insane to the last drop. Like, this movie is secretly probably the one of the best films of this season. I don't mean as in quality-wise. I mean just the best to watch. As like, entertainment like, value. Like, 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 entertainment values. Get your friends. If you can get a hold of this thing, it has to be on some streaming services <laughs> now. It's like, buy it from Vinegar Syndrome. Like, it's a freaking awesome release. Mm -hmm. uh, completely uncut. Not the terrible uh, PG version or PG-13 version that was originally released way back when. Yeah. And it is, like I said, the craziest film. Pure lunacy. Out of all. Yeah, it's insane there's mm. a, an awful point where you see her riding riding it off in the distance for some that reason. looks the cheapest ever because it's like oh no we don't really have it anymore so we have to combo we have to put these together compensate these together and it ends with her strip dancing to his brain in a jar well they really build up a body so strange speaking of strange right after that we watched the infamous samurai cop which was one of those bad movies that is so infamous that we figured might as well watch it. This one is known for the guy uh, played by Matt Hammond with the weird haircut and the weird... That's his name now. It's just Matt Hammond with the weird haircut. With the weird haircut and the weird spikes in violence. The film is supposed to be like a buddy cop movie, but it's so like mirror-verse re, mirror in its execution where random spurts of like hyper-violence and then weird comedy and then... Like character turns where you're just like, am I watching a movie or is this like a prank? It's um, you want bad? Strange. I don't remember anything about this movie. Like this movie didn't erase itself from my brain. I know I watched it, but I remember nothing that happens in the film. It's like when you when you said when you said that the moments of hyper violence. I'm like, I remember nothing from this movie. It's at the beginning of the movie where a guy literally cuts another guy's head off to bring a disagreement. Well, yeah, There's... that's a samurai movie. Yeah, but it's not the vi it's not the main villain, and it's not the hero who does it. It's just a random guy. So like, it's things like that that Sean Leguizamo <laughs> make the movie weird. Speaking of weird, the next movie we covered is a movie that we referenced multiple times this season when watching other films. Nineteen eighty four's Repo Man. Repo Man, starring Emilio Estevez, Henry, or is it Harry? Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton. I don't know why I always have that issue remembering his name. Who shows up in another movie we cover later, but yeah. And and it's not actually that dissimilar from this one. This movie is a strange one because it's about aliens, kind of. It's about a repo man, kind of. It's about a disillusioned <laughs> 80 youth. Who stumbles into uh, a nihilistic disillusion the 80s youth who stumbles into the weird world of the repo men in a capitalistic society and like, whoa, JD's like rolling his eyes because I'm falling into yeah. uh, riffing mode. And it turns out to instead being what you expect. All the conspiracies that they, they, they ramble on about mm. are true. Yeah, what you expect it to be ends up being something entirely different in the end. And... At the same time, it somehow manages to remain engaging all the way. So, probably like uh, if I said Tammy and the T Rex was the best, this is probably the best movie, like out of the the, the canon films of like high quality. If you're just talking pure quality wise, yeah. I would say it probably is. It's just legitimately a good movie worth watching. Though. Also, probably other than I'm um, just doing a quick uh, look through here. Mm. Other than our next section uh, with a theme is mm. probably the biggest movie out of here next to uh, a little movie from 1989 that we'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, overall though, I'm glad. Oh, we, and the Halloween specials. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we watched this one because it's not, it's definitely the type of movie I might not have considered otherwise. So it was good to finally get to watch it. And it's also one of those movies that is like peak mm. cult classic, even oh, yeah. though everybody knows what this movie is. It's definitely it, falls into the line of cult classic, but in a good way. Yeah. Because it's a type of movie that would not really succeed outside of that. With that segue, talking mm. about movies that are cult classics, but not in a good way, our first in our themed uh, summer specials yeah, we had done. It was a summer special. Double Dragon from 1994. You know the plot to Street of Fire? It was that, but worse. 
Double Dragon annoyed me because it's such an easy concept to make into a movie, and it bothers me that they didn't make that movie. And it was already made into a movie, which was actually the basis of the game itself, which was Streets of Fire by George, by Walter Hill. I don't know why you saying Streets of Fire meets Death Wish 3 meets Fist of the North Star. Double Dragon is so straightforward that it should be the easiest thing to make into a movie. And Instead, we get the monstrosity known as a Bobo. Yeah. But but more likely uh, a Grobo or uh, um, Inflatable Bro. <laughs> yeah, like it's a bit too, too toned down to be what it should be. But I will say, despite all its problems, is that it's not as bad as his reputation suggests it is. But at least it has the Iron Chef in it. Yeah, but like With also server haircut. That, bro. that actually kind of continues on to our next movie right after that, which the, is the, the movie that you love it or hate it mm-hmm. um, was very instrumental in many people's life. Like for in our age group, 1989's introduction to Super Mario Brothers three, The Wizard, starring Fred Savage, Juliette Lewis, and the phrase California and Christian Slater and Jeff Bridges. Which is strange because the movie ended up being a lo- not a lot different than I remember, but not as over the top as I was remembering it being. This is a movie that I bought immediately after we watched it because I wanted to rewatch it again with the, uh, the mm-hmm. stuff that was cut out, put back in that made it into an even darker film, yeah. which it made it into an even darker film. Yeah, like, it has the reputation of being, yeah, it's for selling Nintendo products, yet the way they chose to do that is by telling a pretty dark story overall. Like, they literally cut out the whole entire subplot of uh, Christian Slater actually being an alcoholic, mm-hmm. uh, and which is why he's kind of drifted away from the family, uh, and that traveling with his father, for and forcing him not to drink and picking up the Nintendo is what makes him become a better person. Yeah, despite, like... All the things you know about this movie, all the old jokes and memes and whatnot, it's actually... California! He doesn't actually say that as many no. times as, uh, as no. you'd think. Again, that's another thing that was taken over by pop culture, as it is... Along as a... with, he touched my breast! <laughs> as a movie, it's just a fun watch. It's a pretty good story overall, and it's worth seeing. And it's, yeah, it's like I said, love it or hate it, it's mm. The Wizard. And mm. I always recommend The Wizard. Uh, even if it is, some days it just feels like this utter cash cow of a film. <laughs> like, I know I've gone back and forth on it, depending on who I'm watching it mm-hmm. with or why I'm watching it. Or yeah, I enjoy it, which brings oh, us to fine. to another one that is probably more original than people give it credit for. 1993's slowest mattress race film, Super Mario Brothers, starring uh, John... John uh, Hopkins? Bob Hopkins. Hopkins? Um, Bob Hoskins. Hoskins, yeah. And John Liguizamo. I know, my brain blanked out. And this movie is probably and more Dennis original Hopper. than the 2023 Super Mario Brothers movie that just came out. I'm going to say one thing about the movie is that this Dino one... Dino Punk. This one gets kind of... Not I want to say a bad rap, but for a long time it's seen as like one of the worst movies ever made. Like, that's how much it was hated. And every actor who worked on the film hates this film. Yeah, so there feels like there's a lot of revisionism around this movie to paint it to be a lot different than it actually is as a final product. Because when you watch the final movie, it's actually quite enjoyable, and it's not like anything else you're going to watch. It's another movie that I go back and forth on. Um... Mm. I'm going to put you on the record here and say that I have an idea for like a, a little two-parter to do again, where we rewatch The Wizard, but with its uncut version where it's darker, and then we watch the um, fan cut of Super Mario Bros., which puts back in all the, mm-hmm. the the work print cut that was out there with the deleted scenes, the the Jenkins and uh, whatever cut, yeah. that, that changes the tone of the movie as well. Like I said, we'll, we'll see what a lot of that sort of stuff, because like when it comes to those sorts of cuts, like Cobra, for instance, has a work print cut we haven't been able to find either. It's like the one I was talking about for Super Mario Bros. Mm-hmm. is readily available, but it's also more uh, to the vision of the original directors, who apparently were very garbage people, and nobody mm-hmm. liked working with them, but... Yeah, it's like I said, it's not like it's like one of the greatest movies of its time, or even one of the best video game movies, but it is a good watch. It's but, not something you're liable to see anywhere else. And you don't see a lot of dino-punk movies. Like, mm. And this is dino with a Y, like like cyberpunk, it's, yeah. it's dino-punk. Uh, I think the, the closest you get is like Theodore Rex, and that's <laughs> about it. Yeah, speaking of something that was uh, quite different for its time, we also watched 1984's The Last Starfighter after this one. 
a surprisingly horny movie, but the horniness all comes from a prepubescent teen. Yeah, the whole movie about uh, trying to understand your place in the world and doing it through video games is actually done in quite an original way that's been ripped off quite a lot since. So I just want to ask mm. the question, do you think the audience has figured out that this part of our summer special was all uh, video game movies and stuff that, that oh. are, are inspired by video games? I'm pretty sure because we did about 10 of them in a row. <laughs> but yeah, The Last Starfighter is kind of one of the early examples of these types of games, though we have one that's even earlier and a, bit, a little bit to cover. Um, this one also manages to, to tie in like aliens and intergalactic dogfights and stuff with some pretty cool special effects from the time period. Yeah, though the vector graphics, uh, space battles, they didn't age as well as, let's say, a, a New Hope Star Wars uh, vector battles. Yeah, it's more of its time. Yeah. A specific uh, CG time period when they were just starting to dip their toes into it. But overall, it's like, it's a classic, and I think it deserves its statuses. There's not a whole lot else like this movie out there. Unless, unless you decide to read uh, the, the the writer of uh, Ready Player One, Ernest Klein's uh, book, Nemesis, I think it was called, which is just this movie, but worse, and the son has an Oedipal complex. I should just specify, like, original outside of everything I tried to rip it off directly. I don't, I don't just mean, Enemy like, Unknown with, uh, with uh, I believe it has a Quaid in yeah, it? Yeah, I don't just mean, like, like it takes elements of... No, I just mean it's the same basic story over again. With like, the, the only actor book. I remember from this movie is Louis Gossett Jr., and I think he's in a uh, alien suit. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we might and as well he, move on to the next one, because the next this one... This is the probably one of the most famous of the super... Uh, uh, the super... Of the uh, video game movies. Mm-hmm. That's 1994's Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Street Fighter is another one that gets a rap for not altogether undeserved reasons because... I mean, they were having orgies and <laughs> they were on coke and... The thing with Street wow. Fighter is, especially if you watch the animated movie that was released around the same time, the anime is like really good and very indicative of what Street Fighter is. And then you watch this and it's just live action G.I. Joe. We make the joke and other people have too that it's... The best live-action G.I. Joe movie there's ever been, and there's a reason for that, because it's... It's just G.I. Joe, Joe, but with a dressing of characters that... Like, characters in cosplay of yeah. uh, of Street Fighter characters, and probably one of the worst Blankas put to film, and probably <laughs> one of the worst Dal Sims put to film. Yeah, because they just find a way to, to stuff random characters from the series in random roles. And, and the so, best yeah. lampshade of all time... Guile, played by uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, yeah. who's uh, the muscles from Brussels, where they mm. go, yes, he grew up on a uh, army base in uh, in the area, and yeah. that's why he has a thick accent. Yeah, they, they did stuff like that. Like, overall, like it's not exactly the type of movie Street Fighter fans were hoping for from the time period. and But it gave us the best performance yes because we're all julia's performances and Bison rest his soul man is, like, i miss that man is legendarily good because there are a few villains For played me, as well as him. it was a tuesday yeah it's it's just pure class all the way through he, he carries the movie makes it even better watch and it makes you really appreciate this movie for being better than it probably would have been otherwise Though, speaking of video game movies, because the next one is probably, it is, I it's think, quite the a one. whopper. Um, it's the oldest one we've covered for a reason, and it's War Games from 1983. Starring Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who else was in this movie. Yeah, it's been a while, as we've said before. This movie is very infamous for a lot of reasons, although I think it might have been, it's a I think it's sort of like The Wizard in that like pop culture kind of gives you a different impression of the final product than it actually is. This movie, from what I remember, is a lot darker than you think it is. It is, but it also <laughs> gave us the phrase, would you like to play a game? Yeah. And mo- if you say it in that cadence, most people will understand immediately yeah. what the reference is, even if they've never seen this movie. Yeah, it's one of the first real examples of a video game movie where the video game is central to the plot of the movie like my descriptor of it before i got into way stranger's descriptors using taglines mm-hmm. i wrote this week we journey back to a simpler time of dial-up internet phone booths and the perceived imminent threat of thermonuclear war which was the name of the game mm-hmm. and 
The End of All Mankind. The film this week is War Games from 1983. Would yeah. you like to play a game? It's pretty much a perfect encapsulation of that era because it uses everything from that time period, especially revolving around technology. And all those words I just said, it's like it aged incredibly well because yeah. the hacking behind it, a lot of it was legitimate and realistic. Yeah. It's very much a movie of the time period it came this out This was in. not hackers. No, it's no, there's no hacking the planet. It's just, Hack the planet. Yeah. So if you want something a bit more over the top, there is uh, the next movie we covered, which Which is, is honestly probably, I keep saying this a lot, but the best of the actual video game adaptations. I still think it is the best video game adaptation. That's 1995's No, no, J.D. Combat. The best video game adaptation by uh, the world is apparently Sonic the Hedgehog 2. No, I would say this one's the best one because it's pretty much the game in movie form. Like... They they they, they basically, no took, the, they basically took the plot mm -hmm. of the movie it was based on. Mm -hmm. I, like, what was it like? Uh, Twelve, let's not like the Last Dragon or something like that. Like some 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 chop socky. It's uh, a bunch of them. Hong Kong film, like a specific one about a tournament, and they just took that plot and then said, "Now we're going to put the Mortal Kombat characters on top of it," and you get that crazy house uh, Eurobeat. Mortal Kombat! Do, 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 yeah. do, 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 the fight do, do, scenes do, do, are all enjoyable. It's always there's always something going on. Fatality. Yeah, and the effects even are pretty good for the time period too, because it's still at this point more or less practical effects. And they found a way to incorporate pretty much all the important characters in some sort of role that's more relevant to the plot than let's say Street Fighter did. <laughs> so like pretty much everything you want in a Mortal Kombat movie is in this movie. And that's to me is what makes it the best adaptation of a of a video game movie because at at this point and it gave us the definitive Shang Tsung. Yeah, because at this point, and let's be honest, still right now, video game movies are not really treated properly in adaptation form, which is kind of goes over into the next one I want to cover, which is Arcade from 1994. And I would like to apologize to the audience and to JD mm -hmm. for forcing him to watch the movie that has lived rent-free in my brain <laughs> since uh, the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Um because the movie was a lot worse than I remembered it. Um, the effects, too. It's, and it was an Albert Pune film. Mm. So already Not there's a low bar. Ones. There's already a low bar. Uh, Not one of his better ones. <laughs> so I apologize. Yeah. Uh, this movie's not great. This movie no, was never great. It's when it, it's one of the examples I was talking about. But it's about, interesting as a horror movie. Where it has like the video game concept, but the video game concept is not used as well as it should be. It looks like how they would portray being inside a video game on like Goosebumps or another live action Saturday morning horror Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. It felt like a movie version of a Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, only the effects are not as memorable because at least in those shows they would have been practical. In here at CG, so all I really, all I really remember from this movie now, because thankfully it got rid of it, is it, hmm. that is that it was eating souls. Yeah, and not only is it bad CG from 1994, it's redone cheaper CG from 1994 because they had to scrap it. It's like it's even worse than <laughs> Lawnmower Man CG yeah. from 1994. Probably the weakest one of all these we covered. No, although, actually, I would make the argument. Although, that, yeah, the next film. the next film we covered was 1983. And I, I was surprised that this was 1983 because of the content of it was called a joysticks. And it, but it did give us that great song, JD. What's the line of the song? Which one? The video game song. I don't remember. It's been a, it's been like a year. <laughs> I'd have to rewatch re listen to the episode. Like I, I have I have the tune in my brain, but I can't remember the, I can't the remember full the lyrics. Like, I can't remember. Totally the awesome video game. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll just put it as like the end song of this episode or something. But yeah, it's a, it was a catchy song and the video game stuff in the movie I actually thought was done well because they had like the competition with all the cool sets. That but was nice. ultimately it was just a titty movie. It was Porky's again. It was Porky's again. Like once you've seen Porky's, you've seen it a hundred times because a hundred movies decided to copy it wholesale. Just a straight up booby comedy and oh God. It's oh boring God. and there's not a whole lot to it. So, yeah. It's like I said, it's a toss-up. Either Arcade or this was the worst of, out of all of them. Mm. Though, like um, I said, I will say that at least the video game stuff in this one is more memorable because I still remember the giant stick, arcade stick. Yeah. The stuff that, like that. That, that giant arcade sticks were actually pretty awesome. Yeah, so it, was, it was some cool stuff. But overall, like I said, it's probably the weakest, though. It, you might think Arcade is weaker. The, uh, the last one we covered is... Is kind the best film... Uh, filmed closest to my house uh <laughs> brain scan from 1994 
is not as good as I was hoping it was going to be because it had a good setup. You like FMV games? Yeah, because it had a good setup. It had a good idea and it had some good scenes and some good setups. But ultimately, it doesn't do enough with the concept it has. Oh, God. And no, that's it the, didn't. And that's the biggest issue with the film. It just falls short of taking advantage of it and it makes everything else weaker by contrast. It starred John Connor himself. Yeah. Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. I knew there was a fur in there somewhere. Yeah, it's 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 like a, a kid. He gets a video game and he yeah, an he, FMV video it, game. It's it's like he starts wondering if this is a real game or if it's real life. And it mixes or if it's up. hypnotizing him or yeah. But the problem is there's not enough of that and it cuts in and out too abruptly. So it, and, and then there's ambiguity at the end of whether or not it's actually the movie actually happened or not. Which would have been better off had they actually used it more than they did. Though I will say, from what I remember, the effects in this movie were actually pretty good. Yeah, definitely better than Arcade. Definitely oh, better than Arcade. And same year, but much, much better effects. So yeah, th- those were our video game movies for totally our Totally awesome video games. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun experience. But after that, we decided, well, this is going to be our last string of movies. Little did we know it was going to take as long as it did. 84 years later. <laughs> yeah, which so we started with... 1993 Cyborg Cop because it was one of Sam Furstenberg's last action movies and I wanted to get that one in before we got to the end. Starring David Bradley and as you may have heard in our most recent episode, neither a a cop nor a cyborg or a cyborg cop. No, the advantage this movie had is that uh, there were some fun action sequences including the end where he crushes the villain's head with the motorcycle. I am surprised (laughs) that you remember even that because I remember nothing about this movie. That's the main thing I remember and especially uh, John Rice Davies chewing the scenery as the villain and like overall though it's I actually thought that was another movie like this is movie is so forgettable yeah overall it's not one of Sam Furstenberg's better efforts it's not that memorable as a movie but I am glad we covered it because it led to something we're going to cover later uh, the next one we did was one of our few non-canon uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme films Double yeah. Impact which was I guess closer to a Double Dragon movie than the actual Double Dragon movie again. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, pretty much. Because yeah, it's, it's one's a bad boy, one's a good boy. Yeah, and they're dealing with a plot. <laughs> one likes guns, one likes fists. Well, yeah, they're dealing with a plot on their life, and they have to come together to solve a problem. And again, for being a movie that takes place when it did and was filmed when it did, they managed to do the twin thing pretty well. And it was not that noticeable that they're not in the same scene together, which is very well done considering the time period it was made in. Not one of his most memorable movies, but it was a Hey, fun it's watch. better than the one that he's in with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, we didn't have to cover that one. Uh, uh, bad news. So we covered the next movie. <laughs> with Extreme Prejudice. Extreme Prejudice! Which is another Walter Hill movie. This, is, this movie was funny because the whole time we were watching it and when we were recording the episode, I kept thinking, this feels like a movie you imagine should have come out back in 1987, but it didn't. Yeah. It's like one of those canceled projects, you know, like those John Carpenter movies we keep reading about. Like, oh, that would have been funny if it came out. No, this is one of those movies. Like, it, but has, it, did. it has Clancy Brown in it. Yeah. It has, it has Clancy, Clancy, Clancy Brown in it. It has a bunch of people from the time period. It's it's cool, like Western. It's got it's got this cool yeah, it's vibe a, it's, to it's, it. It's a neo-Western, not a neo-noir uh, action film. Yeah, you Powers see? Booth in it. Uh, Nick Nolte's in it. It's just... All around, like, this is a movie, like, all these people at this time were at their peak, and you're like, it would have been nice if they were in a movie together. Oh, they were in a movie together, and guess Why what? Why does it's, nobody talk about it? It's actually as good as you think it it's, is. It's a really good movie, <laughs> which is really, really surprising it's how a, good the movie was. Yeah, it's one of Walter Hill's best movies, and it just, like, completely flew under the radar until finally uh, Shout Factory, I think it was, put it out on Blu-ray and gave us the opportunity to actually finally watch it in the original aspect ratio. I may even make the argument that it is the best Walter Hill film. It could be, yeah. It's definitely up there. And uh, it's, and, I, and we've seen a lot of Walter Hill films. Yeah, it feels like his attempt to do um, uh, Sam Peckinpah with his, in his own style, which makes it a unique film in his canon and also for the time period because again not a whole lot of movies like this in 1987 which might have contributed to why it wasn't as well known but overall it's definitely worth watching and a great film which again is going to lead us into the next film we starring covered. one of my favorite actors kyle mclaughlin yeah from twin peaks and many other weird things like that this movie is 
just as weird as Twin Peaks. Do you remember what the plot of this film is, JD? It's about aliens, and it's insane. Because it's their body jumping. Yeah. It's this was a concept we, that we covered in another movie called uh, several movies yeah. called The Borrower that Cannon put out where we, we even remember at the time like you could have done so much cool stuff with this movie and you didn't end up doing it, but in this movie they actually did, and it ended up being one of the the biggest surprise favorites I think for both of us when we finished watching it. Yeah, I was just confirming that we didn't watch The Borrower shortly before this one too. No, I think it was it was it was a it was a while before that we watched The Borrower. Like this guy, the the guy who did this one also did like uh, one of the few slasher movies I like, which is Alone in the Dark from nineteen eighty two. Um, one of the few ones that actually stands out, and he made it stand out again here because this is almost an alien invasion story, almost like a hidden world story, almost like a cop story, but it manages to mix them all together in a way that makes it unique, and it also gives it that weird off kilter Twin Peaks vibe at the same time. Like this is the tagline for the film, and I, 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 this this line also lives rent free in my brain because it's such a stupid thing, and really, really uh, downplays and simplifies the movie. Mm-hmm. It killed thirty seven people, robbed six banks, two liquor stores, a record shop, and stole two Ferraris. Now yeah. the fun starts. It just took over a police station. Yeah, that gives away way too much of the story, and it's not very Or how about the second the tagline they had for it that, that goes after that one here, where mm-hmm. it just goes, it's only human on the inside. Like, it gives it gives everything away. Sorry, it's only human on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the hidden, like, you figure with a title like that and what, what it's about, it would be more along the lines of... Trying to hide it, but no, they they, they hit the... Now, like, it's take over a police station, JD. Like, don't judge a book by its cover, you know, something simple like that. Only twist that a little bit, you know, something like that. Because uh, thankfully, we didn't really pay attention to that when we were watching the movie, so it was more interesting. But that would have really soured me, I think, a little bit. And wham, bam, I put that straight onto the episode for the uh, upload. Yeah, but speaking of of which, the next one we did was Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Remember when we said that we were out of John John Carpenter films? We lied. Yeah, this was the one of the ones we, we skipped over by accident. This one is a movie that screams studio interference and actor interference and all kinds of interference yeah let, let's actually it's, if you know the history of the film it's not so much studio interference it's chevy chase and um, well, also daryl adver- hannah they also advertised it badly too yeah that too but it's it's specifically those two that screwed everything up to make the studio watch it and go yeah we don't know how to, to do this now because, because of how bad it came out because the best parts of this movie are like john carpenter doing north by northwest and it's really good when he's able yeah. to do that yeah, and, and it would have been a shorter movie if it was just John Carpenter doing North by Northwest starring... Like the uh, whole opening segment when he actually turns invisible and like the building's in patchwork and you see the agents standing around. And he's trying to escape from them while trying to figure so, out what goes on. It's and so then great. it becomes a weird love story because yeah. that's what about, Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah want. About halfway through the movie, it just disjoints into this weird love story thing before in the last third jolting back into what it originally was. And it's just like... You didn't need any of that. It, it like, just, this is a movie that it would have been should so have had a very tight, straightforward plot. Like, literally, North by Northwest. And it did for a good portion of it until it, they it, just it, it could have been off. the 39 steps, but with yeah, and The Invisible Man. When he was able to do that, um, it was a great watch. Unfortunately, the interference brought it down a few pegs, and the studio advertising it as a romantic comedy, which is what it was advertised as... Even if you look at the uh, trail, the posters for it, yeah, it, it's 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 not what it is. Heavy on the romance for some reason. Yeah, it's not what it is. I'm it, sorry, John. I'm sorry, John Carpenter. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the thing is too is like if you would have just left it alone and like maybe had like Chevy Chase like maybe had his weird like uh, Pratt falls with the invisible stuff, it might have been just enough to make it unique. But like adding in the romance stuff and then like at the end just jolting away from it awkwardly. Just to get back to the original thing, it, it, it just feels like that shouldn't have been there. Well, you got to remember that a lot of it was that he was just not comfortable in the uh, the costuming for it because yeah. of all this the stuff they had to put on his face. So he would take it off early and do this, do that. So it's like a lot of the interference on his part was just not wanting to do the movie the way it was done. So you end up with a lot of scenes where it's just like, okay, mm. it's just you see his face. Yeah, this is a movie that would have been nice as if they actually did have like filmed all that stuff and they just cut it stupidly so they could just make a real cut but you know they didn't yeah which is a shame 
Although uh, the next one we covered was a lot more low key than this one because it's Street Hunter from 1990, which is starring Steve James. Steve James' last movie before he died is this is what I wanted. And, to cover and we're saying reason. this not in the the terms of too much, where that no. was the last film before she died, like 20 years later. Uh, this was like his mm-hmm. last film before he died within the next two years. Yeah, because he he was ill and he slowly died after uh, succumbed to his disease after this, but. I wanted to cover this one because, like, we covered up pretty much everything he did. Uh, most of it was with canon. Some wasn't. And I think we covered some of that as well. But this one was, like, his real starring role in his last movie. So, really wanted to get it in there. And overall, it's actually pretty good. Especially um, John Leguizamo as the villain you just hate. Oh, right. This is the movie that had John Leguizamo. For some reason, I thought that was Samurai Cop. No, it was this one. And it even has the final shot where he, he like finally gets him and he throws him into the van and he's, and he's screaming, which is a great last shot. Uh, overall, like I said, it's not, it doesn't really stand out a whole lot, but it's a good it's a good action flick worth watching. It's another, it's another quote-unquote modern Western. And I'm glad we watched it yeah. because like for a lot of reasons, especially to give... But it's also us. another movie that, that could have been better. Yeah, but it's, it's nice to give Steve James his due. And I do hope... Somehow this actually gets a proper re-release because this was another one we had to really scrounge to find. The next movie needs no introduction unless you're trying to figure out which one it is. (laughs) 1989's, I think there was two of them in that year, weren't there? Well, we Roadhouse. Uh, we're going to be covering another movie with a very similar title soon. So we'll just say that this is 1989's Roadhouse. Starring... I don't Patrick know. Swayze. Who is starring in this one? Um, and a canon favorite, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, yeah. Because he was also in Tombstone, which you covered. Which wasn't a canon, but he was also in another one, which I think was the, the uh, family in, incest movie. I think he's in a few, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember he's, which one He's is. a great actor. In this one, though, Roadhouse is such a, such a... Speaking of modern westerns... A product of its time that could not be made now... It's it's a lot like Extreme Prejudice, and that's a modern Western, but it's also more in the vein of like older, like um, more comedic, lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. Com- compare and contrast the modern Westerns on this list. This mm. is the campiest and cheesiest yeah. of them all. It's more like it's more straightforward, like a saloon type thing. You know, you gar- you guarding the low lives out of the saloon, and then it slowly escalates into the the insanity that is the ending roadhouse is really unique and i don't really think we can talk about it anymore than we already did in our episode or everybody else already knows about this movie except to say that uh patrick swayze rest in peace it's like if he was yeah. still around today he would be having his swayze sans race now and probably doing like a bunch of action films like keanu reeves he probably would have been in the most recent john wick film actually uh yeah he like I said, this is the movie that really like this one and point Point Break really sold him as an action hero. He wasn't in a whole lot of them, but when he was in them, he was really yeah, good. Yeah, he would have been in one of the John Wick films because then it's just to have that callback to oh, yeah. Point Break. Oh, yeah. They def- oh, definitely Oh, man. Were. Why did you have to take him so soon? Yeah, and the next the next movie we covered was more like filling in the gaps because... Because I this is one of those movies I randomly came across and found it and went, Oh, hey, I found the movie! <laughs> so, like, it's 1993's American Kickboxer 2, but the reason we covered this one is because American Kickboxer 1 is a canon movie. Yeah. And its actual sequel to The Death is a canon movie. Which was also another movie that was almost impossible to find. Yeah, but this movie, American Kickboxer 2 is not a canon movie. So we, like, might as well cover all three of them. And not even a sequel to American Kickboxer. It just has an American and a kickboxer in it. Yeah, and the weirdest part about this movie is it feels more like a canon movie than the first American Kickboxer does, which just feels like a generic straight-to-video movie. This one has a lot of action in it, including the opening with the girl falling in the pool, which does not go the way we think it's going to go. (laughs) (laughs) It goes completely off the rails. Oh, right. It's that movie where we thought that... Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm laughing so hard. Go back to our episode. But long story short, the little girl... They they leave the little girl alone so they can have some sexy time. And you... Oh, she's going to drown. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's going to be that type of movie where the girl drowns. And then guy drops out of the sky out of a helicopter to kidnap her. Yeah, and then it actually turns out that the villain, that was part of his plot. He actually was intending to do that. Remember the guy that she was having sexy time with? He had intended to do that. Yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a fun action movie. Very canon, though, again. Not a great not, movie. Not, not a great movie. Not a canon movie. Not particularly great, but it was enjoyable. And I'm glad we watched this one because it was way better than the first one. If a low-budget action film that could have been improved by Sam Furstenberg, you wanted to say, it's like, mm-hmm. it would be this one here. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said, the action is like ultimately forgettable and not very well done because they're, they're, they're not very good kickboxers or martial artists. Yeah, but it's a fun movie overall and definitely worth seeing. And... If we're talking about movies that uh, probably would have benefited from better execution, 
We might as well go with the next movie on our list, Alien Private Eye from, from 1989. Yeah. Um, so this is another one of those ones that Jay said, hey, Randy, this is on sale on the Vinegar Center. It just sounds like a you movie. And then we watched it. And, then and it turned week, out to be a his movie. And then for weeks afterwards, <laughs> we, we kept quoting Lamarow. Yeah. The well, nuclear device. The nuclear device. This is a movie that is a lot crazier than you would think. Even this is like ultimately like absolutely no budget sci-fi film mm-hmm. with some of the worst hammiest acting out there uh, with one of the worst scripts, but so utterly genuine in and every it keeps way. keeps you engaged through the entirety of the movie because every single time you're watching... And Did they, they really guy, do that? Yeah, they have a guy who's just talking like Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre. <laughs> and uh, there's a guy with a with acid in his tooth, and when he chews on it, he ends up killing himself. Because, oh, I forgot I had acid in my tooth. Because yeah, it turns out putting acid near your throat is a really bad idea. <laughs> this movie is an idiot. Oh, and how about the uh, two interchangeable women that look exactly alike, and to the point where I thought they were played by the same actress, just so they could have a fake out later on to make you think that one of them got. The, the one that you're supposed to like died. Yeah, for no reason. Because there's no reason for that to happen. He just kills her and is like, oh, he killed her. But why did he pre- want him to pretend that she, she was? The, she was the Chekhov's woman, I guess. Yeah, there was no know. point. But there's stuff like that all the movie. And normally that would hurt any other movie. But because this movie is so so frantic and lunacy inspired. It's Never just, forget. It's just enjoyable. Katie, that you can beat mm. a withdrawal from a drug more ad- a million times more addictive than heroin. By going locking yourself golden cold turkey for 24 hours. Yeah, all you have to do is go t- go cold turkey for 24 hours and you're completely off the drug for life. That's definitely worse than any other drug in existence. <laughs> That's just one part of this movie. As I said, it, I'm glad we covered this one because it's definitely... I literally watched it again recently, okay? <laughs> it's, it's definitely the type of movie that, that fits for the sort of thing we're trying to do. And, and though we talked about Roadhouse before... So I wanted to watch the other movie called Roadhouse from very close by called Roadhouse 66 from 1984. This movie isn't really like Roadhouse, despite what you might think. The whole reason why we wound up on this, and I, I remember how we wound here, wasn't that you wanted to watch the other Roadhouse that we you were talking about? Mm-hmm. It's that we were watching a canon film on Tubi, and afterwards it goes, Up next! the movie that we're going to talk about now, Roadhouse 66. And we're like, what the hell? And yeah. then we're like, yeah, we should watch that one. So we watched it the following week as our non-canon. Yeah. Uh, just because it was available on Tubi. Yeah, it's a very fun movie because it's not an action movie. It's not a drama. It's not a romance. But it has elements of all of those things. It feels like an old school style uh, guys night out movie, I guess, for a better way to put it. With our main characters who's like a... A sheltered nerd who who wants to be more brave, and the disillusioned ma- magician, magician, musician, who wants to uh, finally move past his trauma. I think it was recommended to us because we watched Surrender on Tubi. Yeah. Even though we ultimately, that was just the next non-canon we did, and we did like Hannah's War and Shy People after that. Yeah, though it has like a similar title to Roadhouse, it's not like Roadhouse at all, and it's its own thing, and it's quite a fun watch, and it's kind of disappointing that... You can't really find it very easily. It's important to note that this stars Judge Reinhold and uh, the Green Goblin himself. Willem Dafoe, yeah. Thank you. I, was trying, I forgot his name literally after I started talking. Yeah, and they both did really well in this movie. It was it was just a fun watch. I was really surprised. It turns out every movie named Roadhouse is worth watching. Apparently, yes. Because uh, we didn't want we didn't watch it because it's way out of our league. But there's also like a uh, noir movie called Roadhouse from like 1943, which is also pretty good. So, so yeah. remember when I said that Repo Man was probably the biggest cult classic that we watched on the list mm. now we're going to talk about a true actual cult cult classic cult, cult classic uh a movie that has never been re-released on anything outside of uh, vhs once in the late 80s and maybe a uh cable television airing yeah. um 1984's euphoria yeah. starring um burt ward thank you <laughs> burt ward. my brain went treat williams I'm like that's a completely it's different fred, person. it's fred ward burt ward's robin <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. My brain literally just went, it's like, Treat Fred Williams. Fred who recently, uh, who recently died. Yeah. That's why my brain went, Treat Williams? No, that's not who it is. He's also in Tremors, which is a classic. I love Tremors. This movie is pretty good. It's it's a lot similar in a lot of ways to Repo Man, which came out around the same time, though it was made earlier, and that it's kind of off-kilter in what it's trying to do. 
it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah, this movie shot itself in the foot accidentally because it proved mm. to be unmarketable. It is unmarketable. And then the reasoning why that I had found out later on for why it's never been re-released is because the soundtrack, which is phenomenal, mm. is all classic country from the time yeah, it's hard and to before. License. And it's hard for them to license it, so it's never gotten a re-release. Which is saying because the soundtrack it's suits insane. it very well. Yeah. Very well, especially the main theme, which is which is great. It was an earworm. Overall, though, like, it's good. It's not like, I don't think it's as good as Repo Man, but it is good, and I do think it's worth watching if you can find it. Yeah, and you can find it. There's multiple copies of yeah. it on YouTube. Obviously. Uh, there could be the, the worst copies you can find, but just because that's Otherwise, it's the only way you can find it. There's, there's no other legal means. Though, yeah. after that one, we kind of uh, went a bit more known with this one, mostly because... You owe me an apology for this one. Well, this one I wanted to watch because no one ever talks about this movie, and it's... A prequel. I, pref- a I prefer the sequel to, to this another movie. infamous movie. This is Troll from 1986. This is a movie that is a lot better in concept than in execution, and it's a shame because there's a lot about the movie I actually do like. It's trying. It's weirdly trying to be, but not quite doing it. Trying to be what I call family friendly horror. It but not quite. Like it's like it was close. It was on the edge of being it, but due to some maybe. Uh, sexual content, not an actual sex, but just like yeah. some innuendos. It's like it maybe gets pushed out more. But... There's also like slasher elements. And there's slasher elements, yeah. They could have tweaked that a bit, especially with um, the whole turning into the fantastical creature thing could have been expounded upon a bit more. As a whole, it's fine, but it's it could have been a lot better. It, it needed to be more labyrinth, less Friday, uh, Friday the 13th. Halloween. Yeah, it, it, it could have had a bit more to it. And as it is, it's just kind of forgettable. I can understand why... People won't talk about it, but glad we did that one anyway. Though, speaking of sequels, the, le- the next one we covered is the last one we covered in the season, Cyborg Cop 2 from 1994, because we wanted to start with Cyborg Cop 1 and end with Cyborg Cop 2. Cyborg Cop 2 is insane. <laughs> it's, a, it's over-the-top action movie. You like explosions? Because you're getting explosions. You like people on fire? You're getting people on fire. Yeah, it's one of the last of its kind from 1994. It definitely feels in, in Sam Furstenberg's last action movie and like he somehow knew it was his last action movie because he just threw everything in it he could and it ends up making it a cult classic in a good way. And I would definitely still recommend watching this one if you can find it. If you can only watch one Cyborg Cop movie, definitely pick this one over the other one. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about this one, especially considering we just covered it. So we're just going to go into our specials that we we did for this season. For Halloween... Yeah, our Halloween special. We did a duo of Friday the 13th movies. Because it was the franchise, the big franchise from the time period we hadn't actually covered yet. Friday the 13th. The did, final chapter. Yeah, we did part four and part six. And you might wonder, well, why didn't you do part one and two? Is because... Because it's JD. Because I didn't like part one. <laughs> I watched... Look, the, the thing with this series is that it's not like a typical horror franchise where you need to watch the first movie to understand everything. Or no, it's, it's a typical horror franchise where only the even number movies are good. Well, like the first movie or like Halloween where it's like you might as well just watch the first movie because every other movie aside from three is just the same thing again. Or this, you can just watch the Australian trailers, which tells, shows you every single kill. Yeah, Friday the 13th started strange because the first three movies are basically just standard slasher movies that kind of end at a certain point. And then with four, they decided, we're going to go all out with this one. So they basically made it the ultimate slasher movie, for lack of a better phrase. Because this has pretty much everything you want in an 80s slasher movie, and it goes all out in every aspect of it. And they clearly had a blast making it. And it's... When you watch it, it's definitively the end. It's the end. There's no way you can come back from this one. And the reason why is because up to this point, there's no supernatural element at all in the series. So you can't mistake him literally cutting his head off as being anything other than it's over. And this is where I have to kind of say before we say mm-hmm. the next way that another podcast that we're not associated with in any way, although mm-hmm. in 2018 did a two-part uh RP tabletop RPG re-roll of the film mm-hmm. that is absolutely delightful. I always recommend it. It's um, mm-hmm. they're called the film re-roll. They yeah. replayed this whole film as as and they didn't tell the actors that it that that were a part of it. Like the players, they didn't tell them that what they were doing. They just said yeah. that we're doing this little known independent romance film before. Oops, there's Jason. 
Yeah. And I always recommend people to check the, out that two-part episode. It's really funny. Yeah, because the, the movie itself is like Like, the movie crazy. has a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah, it's like it's a crazy, obviously, like, has all the elements you expect from slasher movies of the 1980s. But, like, they knew at the time there was going to be a last one, so they wanted to go with a bang. Like, I think Tom Savini even did the effects on this yep, movie. Yeah, they brought him back because it's like, this is it, we're done, we don't want Jason's not coming back. So they really went all out with this one, which makes it uh, the fan favorite. I would say if you're going to watch any of these movies, this is probably the one you want to watch to get what they're all about, why people like them in the first place. Because it has everything you expect. And it's not as, I don't know, formulaic, I guess, as the first three are, where just standard kill things. This goes really over the top. And it also acts as the introduction to who who was supposed to become our, originally our antagonist, but ends up becoming our protagonist. Well, you might as well just skim part five, because we... Yeah, because part part five, it's the reason why JD skipped it, was because A, heard it was bad, but B, uh, the fact that... Mm. They start laying laying pipe, laying ground for a him being the new antagonist, and then realized how poorly it was received, and said, "You know yeah. what, uh, Jason Supernatural? Now he's bringing him back." Yeah, Jason isn't really in part five, so I felt like they were going to take it in the whole. He's a memory. He was going to become. Yeah, he was going to become the new Jason. So with part six, what they did was they just went all Universal monster movie with with the film. Which gives it a very different, almost gothic feel at times. With he how became they film this it. generation's Frankenstein at this point. Yeah, it's a bit of a instead of like four, which is like I said, the Sorry. ultimate slasher movie. This one takes it more in a universal horror direction. Let me apologize first because I I hear people yelling like the one person who listens to our podcast, what? Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. It's, it's our generation's Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, the name of the monster is not Frankenstein. It's actually Adam. Uh, but yeah, and that bothered a lot of people with this movie because they they toned down like the violence from like part four, for instance, and played up the humor. But I think it works with this movie because it was very self aware. It feels a lot more classical horror in like because the whole horror is not so much Jason. It's it's our main character's mistake that he made, and he has to fix it. And every force in the universe is trying to stop him from fixing the stupid mistake he made. No, no. They, they, first, the universe tried to stop him from making the stupid mistake because he literally goes to yeah. dig up the corpse of Jason so he can uh, it's like, uh, purify it and yes. sanctify it so he'll never come back again. It, and then he ends up getting him electrocuted and he comes back. Yeah, because he lost his temper. Remember, he gets his yeah. friend killed because of that. Yeah. So it's like, and very, he's the one that shoves the metal thing into Jason that yeah. that revives him with the lightning bolt. So it's like a very classical horror setup. The the sh- the shooting, the cinematography. It's very nice and it's very different from a typical slasher movie. And it makes it stand out enough that I think I like this one better than part four because it feels like it's something you could just watch. Uh, just like it's a, a it's a good movie. It's a good reintroduction it's, it's, to the character. Yeah, and it definitely would have been a good uh, way to, to take the movie. Although it obviously took it in the different directions after this. And I will say overall, uh, Friday the 13th as a franchise, as just a franchise, is probably more interesting than the directions they took. Like, let's say, Halloween, where it was just nonsense. Uh, this one, they like wanted to do something different every movie, and they did. And a lot of people really dug it. I thought these two movies were probably the best ones we could have watched, and I'm glad we chose these two to watch. Fun fact, in the uh, mm-hmm. the originally planned uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, it was going to be canonically, canonically revealed that... Uh, that this entire time that Jason, when he was revived, was had become a deadite because at the same point, it's something the Evil Dead stuff was going on, uh, and he was going to become a deadite. Well, that's believable. That is actually very believable. Uh, and then mm. and instead, that movie never got made, and they because of rights issues, and they just did a comic. Yeah, but yeah, overall, I'm glad we watched those ones. And then um, I think after that, we only really have one left, which is our Christmas special, I which believe. is honestly, yeah, the biggest surprise uh, uh another another yeah. one that we've been staring at for a long time on vinegar syndrome jd like you should pull the trigger you should just get it this would be this is this is so you yeah and then we watched a movie that it's out of is joint, in french it's a lot of joint what we usually do but the concept is so based on what we already cover that it was just like we kind of have to and right? it may or may not have would be later ripped off by home alone hmm. uh we're talking about deadly games or at least it's just general setup yeah deadly games aka dial code santa claus from 1989 a yeah. movie in which a psychotic santa claus who's not the real santa claus uh is stalking a child 
Yeah. Who, who, has, who decides to booby trap his house yeah, to put a stop? Who so basically has to use all his knowledge of like eighties action movies to defend himself. Yeah, it so, becomes yeah. it becomes Home Alone meets um, a your typical horror slasher. Home Alone meets uh, Halloween. Yeah, and it's surprisingly well done. There's really good atmosphere, good writing. All alone. Good, good action, and like the ending is also really strong too. The whole movie is just. The uses of really miniatures yeah. and yeah, it's like a really well done, well directed, well composited, well edited special factual special effects are great. And I think if you're gonna watch like Halloween on the Halloween like holiday style like movies a lot of people like to do, I think more people should probably add this one to their list. And it is violent. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, it is. <laughs> and there's a lot more there because uh Let's talk about the creepy scene where he goes into the secret passageways that his mother doesn't know about, but his grandfather does, because only the men of the family are aware of it, mm -hmm. and it's where they go to leave their toys when they are to yeah. become men, and it's a completely, like, hidden basement where there's all old, desiccated toys from the previous generations left lying about. Yeah. And also the house is filled with secret passageways and a... Uh, a mirror slash maze hallway yeah a lot, uh, a lot of it is, a lot of it like the theme is about like growing up and it's done very very well especially when the villain is the other way around who's a grown-up who refuses to grow up so it's like it's it's very well done it's definitely worth seeing and i will definitely watch it again when i get the chance but i'm glad we chose to watch this one for a christmas special because i do know that i do plan on re-watching it again this year for yeah. christmas as, as i usually i'll watch it with uh, die hard yeah the, the influence it has like i said on on from the sort of stuff we watched is definitely definitely works so i'm glad we covered it here the kid dresses up like a brambo throughout yeah it's like that it's great so i think that's all of the movies we did this season and as you can see by the length of this episode it took a long time to go through them all and this isn't us doing our typical one but i think it actually worked a little bit better than we normally do on it just because we don't remember the movies that well no it's it's better to just talk about it briefly and to get like the memory jogging a little bit it's like uh, the only things that the only change i might have to say is that i like alien private eye more uh than mm. i and then i initially did which and i did like it it's just that in, in mm -hmm. retrospect and be actually watching it again that i like it more yeah and like I said, the more I thought about the Friday the Thirteenth ones, the more I appreciated from what they what they were, and I definitely think they're better than the rest of the series and probably most of the genre from that time period. So I would recommend those ones for anyone looking for those types of movies. But yeah, overall, like I enjoyed watching most of these. I think we did a pretty good job with selecting nine cannons on this go, even though it was a long string of them. There were a couple of whiffs, but not really that many. And the ones that did whiff were at least more or less interesting to watch, like Memoirs of, In Memoirs of Invisible Man. There's stuff about that I still think about, like the effects-wise. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's kind of like another John Carpenter mm. movie that we watched that was the uh, has the mirror scene in it. Um, something of darkness. Something darkness. Um, the one with Alice Cooper. I just forgot oh, the name of it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about, but I can't remember the title either. Lord of Darkness. Something like that. I can't remember right now, but yeah, something like that. It's there's always something in the, the his movies, and that one, he had he had quite a bit. So like overall, it was a good string of non-canon movies, and I think that's all we got to say about this exact set. But in the future, we're not quite done with non-canon yet. We have another thing coming up. Prince of Darkness. Yeah, Prince of Darkness. There's another thing coming up that we still want to do, but. Before we get there, we have another canon thing to do, which is going to be definitely longer than this one because there's more to cover. Yeah, you thought the ride was over. It's not. No, it's not. So we'll be back with another exciting edition of the Canon Cruisers. Uh, yeah, we will. And it'll be another long episode longer than this one. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.